Welcome back to another episode of Insights. On this show, Matt and I are joined by Hilly Marketing's Chief Strategy Officer, Brad Smith, and we break down three awesome segments for you. We talk about how consumers are trusting influencers more and more in 2023 and what that means for your staffing and recruiting firm. We break down the Savannah Bananas, and we talk about how their branding and a lesson from them and their branding can impact your staffing and recruiting firm. And we talk about how unemployment is the lowest it's been since the moon landing. But jobs are at an alarming high. What does it mean for your business? Brad Smith breaks it down and gives you some actionable takeaways to grow your business amid record low unemployment. Welcome to Insights, a podcast from Haley Marketing built to help you with your recruitment and digital marketing. Whether we're talking about marketing trends or what's working right now for staffing and recruiting firms across North America, we're here to share our insights on how you can stand out, stay top of mind, and sell more. Let's get to the show. What's up? This is Brad Miley, and welcome back to another episode of Insights, the podcast built to help you with your recruitment and digital marketing. As always, I'm joined by Haley Marketing's Director of Recruitment Marketing. He's Matt Lozar. Matt, how are we feeling this week, buddy? We're doing well, Brad. How are you? I'm good. We're also joined by Haley Marketing's Chief Strategy Officer for the entire episode. We got Brad Smith on the show today. Brad, how are you? Doing well, gentlemen. Thank you so much for the invite. You got it. Fellas, Buffalo's heating up a little bit, huh? Matt, I know we talk quite a bit about the weather to get the show started, but holy smokes, man, we got a heat wave coming through. It's been one. It's an interesting winter in the Northeast. We'll let winter sports enthusiast uh, Brad Smith talk about it as well, but it feels like it's been uh, 40 degrees in rain or zero degrees in a blizzard. You, you can't go outside and just enjoy winter. It's not what I signed up for. My skiing season passes are not being put to use. My snowmobiles are sitting there. It's frustrating. You hate to see it. You absolutely hate to see it. But it's one day closer to golf season, right? Let's get to the show, fellas. Trusting influencers. Guys, I got a, a little bit of an example here for you. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well, which is why I brought it to the show. I don't think I have bought a product without it being a Facebook ad or being influenced by some sort of influencer in probably three to six months. Every pair of pants I have are Facebook ads. We're talking either bird dogs, bare bottoms, whatever, Um, which is interesting because you guys know probably six or so months ago, I was asking about different pants when you work from home, like what to wear. Y'all mentioned joggers. The next thing you know, everything I'm seeing on Facebook is for dress joggers, which is interesting. That's That's a talk for another day. But I bought all those. Any workout supplement, anything else I've been using at the gym, shoes, Facebook ads, or influencers from podcasts that I listen to. Matt, how about you? Do you feel like you are easily influenced in 2023? Easily influenced is an interesting question. Um, I think so, maybe. Here's here's an impulse buy. I did leave my house the other day, actually went grocery shopping. Um, at your at your local market, and I, I bought I bought just a random bottle of protein. I don't even know what it's called. O W Y N free plug. Um, only what you need, I believe, is what it's called. Mm. But I, I just bought something. So yes, I I guess I am easily influenced, Brad, by good old traditional marketing. I haven't tried it yet, but um, to get back to your point, the Facebook advertising is really really good. Yeah, like I I went on some a website the other day. I saw something and then literally the next time I was on Facebook, blasted with the ads. It's right there. And the content's really good. I remember looking at a, here's an example. I went, my daughter plays hockey. She got a summer hockey magazine. 
right? The USA Hockey Magazine shows up. Oh, there's a nice camp in Minnesota, right? Oh, want to go there? Blah, 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 blah. Dad goes to the website. What's been following me around everywhere for three weeks? Yeah. Ads for the camp in Minnesota. So I think what's what's just so awesome is that the tactics are being used really, really well. And if you're in the right headspace, which you were for pants, Need the last three to six months, it's it's led to purchases. Everyone needs pants. I was in the market and I was, I guess, easily influenced in the right pair. Brad, you had another example that you wanted to share from Oculus, right? Yeah. So before I even get into that, I have this love-hate relationship with the word influencer. So I think marketing in general, ads, when they're directed the right way, can be great influencers in our purchase behavior or at least our decision-making process. But when you say influencer, I often just immediately think of, I don't know, the Kardashians or immediately think of some celebrity. I think we need to get out of that um, definition of influencer and really think about our target prospect and all of the different people and technology and platforms that can influence them. Full agree. Yep. So for me... We, you mentioned the, the Oculus or the MetaQuest. Uh, my kids got one for Christmas. And uh, thankfully, their dad has been playing it recently. <laughs> and uh, we, we got the Golf Plus game. So they've, okay. they've teamed up with uh, PGA. And what's amazing about this is in the game itself, you have the newest, latest, greatest technology from Callaway. So they let you earn and purchase and buy clubs in the game. You can see the driver that's coming out next month. My brother-in-law and I play together online. He's to the point where when that new driver hits the store, he is going out to hit the real thing in the real world because he hits it 20 yards farther in the game. That's awesome. So when you're thinking about influencers, um, think about all the different ways that your target audience is engaging where they're engaging, how they're engaging, what they're passionate about, who has their ear, uh, what they're doing in their free time. Those are all ways to influence, I think, future purchase decisions. I like that approach. And and I don't like the term influencer either. And I probably used it um, probably a little bit incorrectly. I think if you're setting out to be an influencer, you need to first have the ability to influence somebody, right? And and I, I gave you the example about some workout supplements I respect the guys and the, the podcast that I listen to so they can have an influence on me. But that was through probably listening to the show every day for a year. So now I trust them to a point where if they say, listen, if you want to cut caffeine, you should try this product. I have that trust with them to be influenced by what they're saying. It's not just somebody on TikTok or Instagram who is saying, hey, buy this, right? It's, it's very different. I'm influenced because of the trust that I've built and developed with those individuals. And that's earned over time. It's just like this right. podcast. You now hear, you've been doing this for years. You now hear it consistently week in and week out. I love your podcast. I love your podcast. Did you hear that after the first episode? Heck no. No, no. Actually, I, I think some people at Haley wanted to shut it down after the first episode. <laughs> Matt remembers those meetings. We do. It's just good content marketing. That's what this right. is. That's all right. we're, we're dancing around a little bit. You've, you know, it, that's what these tactics and strategies are. So it, it's right. a different way to do that. And we're not, I'm not going to fight about the influencer. It's a that's a whole separate argument as well. But like that's what you're seeing, right? You you watch the show, you you develop the relationship. That's what good marketing is in the industry. Like we've talked about all the time on here. If you know you're a staffing company that wants to develop a relationship with new clients or new candidates, what are you producing and showing them in terms of marketing to make sure 
that you're top of mind when they're they're ready to go. I like that. So how can staffing and recruiting firms influence candidates or how can they influence prospects? Um, Brad, let's start with you. Maybe an idea for for what people can do to build trust and influence over time. So think you're, you're trying to recruit. There's recruiting challenges right now. Who has influence over the people that you're trying to recruit? Maybe it's their friends. Maybe it's their um, former coworkers. So if you found that one of your coworkers left to go to a new company and they had a lot of people, associates, coworkers they worked with in the past, that person is an influencer. Uh, if you're looking at lead gen, if you had a client and you were working with an HR manager and they left to go on to a new company, follow them, market to them. They can be an influencer and pull you into that new company. If you're doing reference checks with, with people, um, follow up, turn those into sales calls. Probably my favorite is to build your online reviews and your online presence. That is a very strong, you wouldn't think of them as traditional influencers, but they are. If people in the community are preaching about how you help them find a new job, how you help them get a raise, how you help them advance their career, how you help them put food on the table, other people are going to be influenced by that. So it's extremely, extremely powerful. I think the stat is like 81% of people trust online reviews as much as they do from a friend or coworker. It's powerful. So do whatever you can to build that brand, build that presence, build those referral sources. Yeah. And if you're looking for ways to grow your online reputation, I would highly encourage you to check out Haley Marketing's reputation management service over here at Haley Marketing. Great way to build those positive online reviews while also mitigating and reducing some of those negative reviews. You can reach out to info at HaleyMarketing.com. Get in touch with our team of marketing educators. They'd love to help you with some of your reputation management. Brad, you had mentioned making sure you're influencing the right people. Um, and without getting too specific, we have a team member here at Haley who used to work for a local clothing company. And when she started, I remember talking to her, uh, Caitlin, talking to her about target audience and understanding target audience. And she had mentioned how where she was in the past, they were targeting the male demo for quite some time. But when they looked at their Shopify data, they found out that an overwhelming majority of purchasers were women. So either A, guys saw you know local sports shirts and asked their wives to buy them for a birthday or whatever it might be, or women had the influence and actually the purchasing decision. So what they did is they completely shifted the marketing strategy to target women and they saw sales go up. Um, so a huge, huge understanding of the data and the metrics and in buying decisions and saying, listen, if we lean into this target demo instead, we'll drive more business. I like the thought though, that I, guys, of talking about how do we influence instead of looking at influencers, right? If we If we talk about how your local staffing or recruiting firm can have an influence on candidates, on prospects, and then who you're working with who has an influence on those individuals, well, then I think we could put together a really great content marketing strategy. Guys, let's talk about the Savannah Bananas. First off, that's an incredibly fun team name to say. And Brad, you wrote an article recently for Barker Marketing, who's a sister company for Haley Marketing over here, really helping organizations throughout the Buffalo, New York area. Um, and actually, I'll give you a second here. Why don't you tell us about Barker Marketing? Because I don't think we've talked about it too much on the show. 
Yeah, sure. It's our uh, sister company that offers the same great solutions in, in products that we offer to other companies. There was a, a need for that. So uh, we have some great clients in, in a lot of different varieties that we're working with. And what's great about that is that we can test some very unique and different things digitally um, in the real world in other industries. We can pull concepts from other industries over to the staffing industry and uh, make sure that we strengthen our, our products, our delivery, our ROI. Excellent. And you recently put together an article over there called Branding Lessons for from the Savannah Bananas. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. But explain us who the Savannah Bananas are. Maybe some listeners aren't familiar with the team. Uh, walk us through the Savannah Bananas. Yeah, for sure. Minor league baseball team, obviously in Savannah. Um, fledgling. So uh, they weren't doing well, weren't selling any tickets, uh, were just about ready to go out of business and took on some new ownership that said, hey, we need to do something different. We need to do something unique. Um, and and they sure did. I like that. First off, and, and we'll get into a little bit more of what they did. I love the thought of new ownership saying, listen, this isn't working. So let's try this instead. And I know you might be sitting there listening, saying, hey, my staffing and recruiting firm is just like Matt's staffing and recruiting firm down the road. Maybe it's time to shake things up. So Brad, walk us through sort of what the Savannah Bananas did and, and what they taught us about branding. Well, you, you started off by saying what a dynamite name, Savannah Bananas. That didn't just happen by chance. Right. Like your example that you just shared a little bit ago, they looked at the data, they pulled the local community, they let the local community, the ticket buyers, be involved in naming the team. Now, I'm not awesome. suggesting that you go and rename your staffing right. company based on on what the local community is dictating, but great way to number one get people engaged and interest interested in the in the team. They have some skin in the game, if you will. Yep. Then the next thing they did is said, "All right, we're going to put a, a fun product on the field, but what we need to do is create an emotional appeal for fans." and players. How can we get fans as close as possible to the players? Because that's why they're going to come. And they made their, their players at the forefront. It wasn't necessarily just team, team, team. It was individual players with individual personalities. They wanted to make sure that their fans knew their organization. If I could draw some parallels to staffing, people work with your company often because of the relationship they have with the recruiter. We might not love that uh, because a recruiter could leave and potentially take some of their business, but that's the reality. They feel comfortable because of a relationship. So when I look at a staffing company's website data, oftentimes uh, we get homepage as the most traffic, jobs as the second. Then if you look at your About Us team and your team members pages, oftentimes those get a lot of visits. People want to know who they're working with. Ties back to influencers too. They want to feel comfortable with who they're working for. So look for ways to promote and sell your team. Look for ways to give them a voice. Look for ways to make a more personal connection so that people feel comfortable working with you and referring their friends, both as employees and potential new clients. I think you're spot on. I don't want to go see the Savannah Bananas. I want to go see the first baseman who plays on stilts. Like that to me, and I will probably get to the whole fan experience. I mean, baseball, I love the game, guys, but it's super boring, right? And if, you, if you're not sitting there thinking, like, I, I can't take my 10-month-old, he'd be out after half an inning. There's just no way. But guy on stilts, you got this sort of like circus act going on. Now I'm engaged. But Brad, to your point of personal branding, for me, 
I don't want to go see the Savannah Bananas. I want to go see the first baseman who plays on stilts because that is super interesting. Matt, go ahead. You had something? I'm tying segments one and two together here. I'm just I'm I'm listening. And segment one, you talked about this is a little different, but the the clothing company that was marketing to the male demographic purchases from females shifted, reached a bigger audience. This Savannah Bananas team was probably marketing to the hardcore baseball fan. Baseball attendance has decreased. Now they've totally shifted. They looked, they tried something different, and it's a big shift. This isn't like a 5% shift. This is a 180-degree shift, right? So they're looking at how can they reach the market better, and they're seeing success. That's tying a lot of it together. Yeah, and you've got a minor league team, and their mantra is professionalism is boring, and we need to embrace our weirdness. That's what makes them interesting. And then, you know, kind of building on that, they they put their employees first. They put their their players first. They've s- supported and invested in personal and professional development. They've said it's okay to have a personality. It's okay to do weird interviews. It's okay to do fancy dances out in the field. It's okay to embrace your own personal weirdness. And that's going to be our brand. That's how we're going to build. Um, it's to me the next evolution of the Harlem Globetrotters and and bringing this to baseball, a sport like you said that has uh, declining ticket sales and is a little stuffy. It's in my geography kind of stinks, guys. I'll be the first to admit that. But the Braves are pretty darn good too. So if I only have one opportunity opportunity to take my family to a game, and it's between Atlanta or Savannah, right? Again, I don't know how far away that is. I'll I'll admit that, but. I'm probably gonna take my team, my my family to a Braves game, unless Bryce is now drawn into the guy on stilts and the personal brand of everything else that's going on. Brad, what else? Well, you know, I mentioned earlier, you got to let the public get to know your your people. Yeah, they're gonna build a relationship that's gonna help your business in the long term, and it's gonna make your employees feel more fulfilled, like they have some stake in the game. They have. Um, or some, I'm sorry, some skin in the game. They they are more connected. They are more engaged. We hear that term quiet quitting all the time because people aren't engaged. If they can't be themselves, maybe they're never going to be engaged. So look look to really embrace that. Now, I'm not saying completely change your business model and be as weird as the Savannah Bananas are, but look for opportunities where your staff can shine and you can promote them. And then the last thing really is is to think about gratitude. So the Savannah Bananas and the owner is very gracious and very happy and recognizes his team. He embraces it. He celebrates it. They share in the success. So he's constantly doing things to show that appreciation, to make it more of a tight-knit team, a tight-knit family that all works together and, and moves forward. So so two points real quick. One, in, in terms of getting the public to know your employees uh, I want to give our our buddy Adrian over at Rollink a shout out there. I think he does a great job of this on LinkedIn. He seems to be shouting out a different team member just about every other day on his personal LinkedIn. It feels good for me to see that. So I can only imagine what it's like to actually work for him and see that. So Adrian, I know you're a frequent friend of the show. Um, thank you for for that example and, and continue doing what you're doing because you're doing great things out there. And two, I can see the hesitations in a baseball team wanting to create personal brands for their for their players or employees because minor league ball is really a revolving door, right? Those guys are coming in and out, going to different teams. They're moving up, they're moving down. And you might be thinking, well, I don't want to invest in somebody's personal brand because what if they leave in six months? What if they leave in 12 months? Well, to this point, to the Savannah Bananas, that might be okay because the success that you you sort of catapult them on and your own organization on 
Well, it's worth it in the long run. And if you have an organization that's built around professional development, personal development, personal branding, well, then you know that's going to raise everybody. I think at the end of the day, it's going to really, really impact the organization. And Brad, I want to build off something you just said. You said, what if I invest in these people and they leave? Yeah. Well, think about the opposite of that. What if you don't invest in those people and they stay? Right. Which one's more damaging to your business? Invest in your people and make them feel like they're engaged. Make them feel like what they're doing is contributing. Make sure they know that and hopefully they won't leave. And that investment that you made is going to pay dividends. Full agree. Matt, Brad, anything else you guys want to talk about on the Savannah Bananas? Nope. Wish they're coming to Buffalo. Ah, me too. I looked up the you know, like a world tour or US tour, but I don't think they're coming anywhere in New York, are they? Nothing, nothing close. Interesting. I would have liked to see them. It would have been a good time. All right. I got an interesting segment here. And, and Brad, I think I'm going to lean on you. And Matt, I want to lean on you for this one too from the recruitment side of things because I can't make it make sense and I've been trying to. Unemployment is the lowest it's been since the moon landing. That's a fact. Open jobs are at an alarming high. I was actually at Rite Aid over the weekend and I want to say it was the Wall Street Journal and then maybe USA Today was under it. And both papers had sort of the, the, the messaging that I just said. One was talking about unemployment being super low. One was talking about jobs being super high. What do we do here? Because it seems like if, if unemployment is incredibly low and jobs are super high, that feels to me like we have a supply and demand issue. But I keep hearing from candidate, or I'm sorry, clients when we talk to them that they have more than enough candidates. That to me doesn't sound true. So somebody help me make it make sense. So I think there's a number of factors at play here, Brad. You've got uh, you know an aging population. You had COVID that enhanced a max exodus of people from the workforce. The boomers retired at record rates that we've never seen before, and they haven't been replaced. You've got lower birth rates. So as we continue to progress we're going to see a decline. And we're starting to see that now. It's probably going to get worse. You've got a shift in jobs, industries, and careers. So you saw hospitality be decimated. People wanted to get out of hospitality. A lot of the job openings are in those areas, those fields. You've got this issue with education. And I think this is a little little controversial, but for years, we have been pushing to our students, you need to go to college, you need to go to college, you need to get a degree, you need to do this. Well, a lot of these job openings are for non-degreed positions. So we've been pushing people that historically would have gone into trades or would have gone into other areas and been extremely successful. We've been pushing this notion that they need to go to college if they're going to do anything good with their life and, and with their career. And that might not be the truth. So you've got people that want to be employed, that have degrees, but can't get a job in their degree field, but don't want to accept something different because they've been told that they need a job in, in, their, in their field. So I think that's a problem. Um, I think immigration is an issue. We had uh, several years where there was very tight immigration and there was immigration reform and we're not letting people into the country like we would have in the past. That is a challenge. 
and we have less available people. So when I hear staffing companies say that they have a lot of candidates, they might in terms of quantity, but do they have the right mix of candidates? Probably not. And, and to overcome that, we need to do a few things. We need to maybe look at transferable skills. So those people that don't want to be in hospitality anymore, what could they do? They might be perfect call center staff. They might be perfect customer service or administrative professionals. We need to look at those transferable skills and then have more strategic conversations with our clients because it's got to be a two-way street. So if a client can't fill their open positions, but they're not willing to even consider transferable skills because they want somebody with two or three years experience, sorry, but that's just not going to happen. Need to have those conversations. Likewise, we might need to have those conversations with candidates. A candidate with a degree might come in and say, I'm only willing to take a, a position in my field. And you might have to have candid conversations with them and say something to the effect of, I understand that. We have some amazing paying opportunities here that aren't in your field, but might open up potential for you down the road. But you're never going to know unless you get your foot in the door. So I think it's 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 tough. I think there is a supply and demand issue. And I don't think it's going away. But I also think we need to do a better job of educating both sides. The, the transferable skill element of it, to me, screams the reason for a staffing and recruiting firm. When I graduated from Brockport, I went and looked for a marketing job and it just was the way it is, right? Like you have a marketing degree, go use it. Had I instead, and I mean, Brad, you, 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 you said yes to me 10 years ago and I appreciate you for doing so, but had I instead went to a recruiter and said, listen, here's what I can do. Here's what I'm good at. Would they have put me down a different path? But that is why, and, and I know uh, Richard Rosner, the staffing shark, he, he talks about this all, all the time of being a career coach and being a career mentor, right? And thinking through, how can I coach you into the position that's right for you, even if you don't know it's right for you right now? That's super interesting to me. And I think when you, when you pair, it's sort of interesting how this, this show came to be, but if you pair influencers influencing with branding and personal branding into recruiting, now you have a team of saying, listen, Come to Brad's staffing firm because our recruiters are equipped to coach you, the candidate, into where you need to be. And you each have you know, your own personal brands, whatever it might be. But I mean, that's just all screaming why you need to work with a recruiter. Sure does. Yeah. And tell the story of people that you've placed in the past that yeah. maybe started entry level, maybe started in a position that they didn't want and are now running departments, running companies, yep. running organizations. Tell those stories. Those are stories that will influence others. Yeah. I had a I had a call with a client the other day and afterwards they sent me a testimonial that one of their team members put together. They placed somebody on an assignment who was homeless. And they came back two or three years later and said, Hey, I just want you to know that because of you, I was able to now buy a house. To go from that extreme of a homeless individual finding this staffing company, getting their feet under them being able to save money to buy a house, that should be single-handedly their marketing for the next three to five years. We should lean into that every way that we can until everyone knows that that's the staffing company who was able to you know, coach this individual into the American dream, right? It, it, it's, it's insane. It, it, it's something that I think they just absolutely need to lean into as one of those, those success stories. 
And I think there's opportunities too to become a specialist and work with a special group or segment yeah. of the population. Yeah. You know, we've got clients that work directly with veterans and people coming out of the military and looking at those transferable military skills into civilian life, making that mm-hmm. match. We have clients that work with um, stay-at-home moms or people that are re-entering the workforce after their child goes into school year ages, very specialized. Uh, I just heard the other day that a client was working with their clients to hire bilingual mid-level managers. And the whole reason for that is because there is available talent that doesn't speak English, but no one at the at the hiring company right now speaks Spanish. So by hiring those bilingual managers, they're opening up a whole new talent pool that their managers could now communicate with and very hardworking and productive people. So we really need to think about different models or different strategies for getting the talent that is available matched with the right position. I I love that thought. And and Matt, real quick, I know you want to hop in here. Uh, At the the NAPS annual conference last year, Greg Dorshing was talking about how when by nature, when we recruit, we know we need a director of marketing. So we go to LinkedIn and we find directors of directors of marketing and we say, hey, you looking for a job? And it's this parallel, hey, you're doing this. Well, then you should come do this here. And there's really no elevation. There's no shift. There's no career progression. It's just a square and a square. Brad, to your point, it's working with people to say, listen, you're good at X. So you'd probably be super good at Y. Let's have that conversation and let's talk about that. Matt, what are you seeing, man? You you look at data all day and, and not to cut you off and, and think about where you wanted to go with your next point, but what are you seeing? From the data point, we're, I mean, since, since the beginning of December, we've seen a heck of a lot more applications in the market. The, the cost has gone down probably 30-ish percent of the number off the top of my head, but it's it's significant. And usually that happens in January, which... Then yeah. we can say, is that just New Year's resolution? Right. Like, I'm, I hate my job, so now's the time to do it. Brad Smith's taught us that for years at Haley Marketing, right? January first comes; it's the best month of the year for your website traffic. You're going to get applications, and then it's going to level out, and we'll see what happens. But this happened in December, which is weird, and that's where something's happening in the market where more people are searching for jobs. And to to go back to your point, Brad, like. There's a lot going on here, Brad. I mean, there's not one reason why there's that big gap. Brad laid out four or five of them. There's probably four or five more. You talked about how, what, 500-some jobs were added. Unemployment's the lowest since the moon landing. So where are these people coming from? I honestly think, and I'm still trying to understand this from the economic standpoint, I think gig workers are coming back to the to the marketplace. And you talk- What is a gig worker? So a gig worker is DoorDash, Uber, someone that's not yeah. officially unemployed. Got it. But- they they need so those people are coming back to the workforce. I think so. They weren't counted in the official unemployment. There's a different unemployment metric that you can look at. I think it's five or six sure. percent, which might be a little better gauge. But the three point four percent, and then you're talking about this, Brad. You know, you guys were talking about matching skills to the available talent. So it, let's say this is let's play this out. If you have workers that are used to very flexible schedules, might be able to take on new skills quickly. What can you do to find them a job? Because they're looking for jobs, they're looking for full time work. They're probably looking for benefits. Inflation's super high, right? We, everybody's joking about the price of eggs everywhere, but that's real life for people right now. So, what can you do? Just just picked up twelve, not a big deal, but yeah, just grab twelve. You probably took out a loan, so what, <laughs> small one. So I asked for an advance on my check this week. 
so what I think that's where the 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 talent's coming from because it doesn't make sense. Like you said in the beginning, Brad, like there's all these open jobs. Unemployment went down a touch, and we added five hundred thousand jobs to the market. Like it's it's a weird math right now that's going on on top of recession and and whatever. So that's where I think tying together your point, the skills of the available talent, what can you do to match them to the jobs? Matt, you brought up a good point too. The gig gig workers coming back, they they were gig workers because they wanted that flexibility. What are we doing to provide more flexibility as employers? You still look and it's an eight hour, eight or ten hour shift. That's such an arbitrary number. Would we be able to fill, you know, that eight or ten hour shift with two people instead of one and give them that flexibility they need and they want? So four or five hours per day split over, you know, two two people. So, you know, and I'm not saying that works in every situation or every position or every opening, but we need to start thinking of those opportunities to fill openings and fill the hours that we need filled uh, creatively. Interesting show. This this shaped out to be a, a really, really good one. You made it made sense for me. You made it make sense for me, Brad. I, and I, I saw it the other day. I think it was the Wall Street Journal and, and somebody else. It was just, I know I just said it, but it was conflicting on uh, on some newspapers. And, and we were talking about it in consulting class the other day. The three of us talked about it afterwards. As we're talking to more clients, we're hearing more and more. Well, you know, I, I really have a need for for more orders, but we're also hearing that jobs are you know alarmingly high. So okay, well that that makes sense. But then there's you know the candidate paradigm too. So it, it's an interesting segment, an interesting conversation to be a part of for sure. Brad, anything else you want to add on that one? The only other thing is David Cern says this all the time. I think this is a great point. In a candidate shortage, we need to sell, sell, sell. We need to drive more leads because every single candidate that walks through your door. You need to have a job to put them into because if you don't have a job to put them into, staffing company X down the street will. So don't stop selling. Brad, I want to thank you for coming on the show, man. I had a really good time. Matt, it was always great talking to you, my friend. But Brad, thanks for coming on the show. You're always welcome. Anytime you want to come on and share your insights with us, you're more than welcome back. Appreciate it, gentlemen. Thank you. That's our show. And thank you for listening to another episode of Insights. If you found this episode valuable, we would love to know. You can message Matt or Brad on LinkedIn to share your thoughts. Have a question for us, you could tweet us at Haley Marketing and let us know what you're thinking or email info at HaleyMarketing.com and be sure you tell them that insight sent you. And of course, if you need a hand with your marketing or recruitment marketing initiatives, we would love to help. You can check out HaleyMarketing.com to get in touch with our team of marketing educators. My podcast partner, Matt Lozar, our guest this week, Brad Smith. This is Brad Biley. We'll see you next time.